You know, I wanted to share just a little bit as we, as we went last week from revolutionary faith and we kind of moved through there and, and, and talked about the fact that, that we need to be revolutionary, that it's a complete change of mind. It's a complete change of, of what we thought. It's a, maybe a new dream, a new desire, a new thing that God's put in your heart to do. Along with that revolutionary faith, there comes a, a, an opportunity for us to decide if we're going to do it, how we're going to do it, where we're going to do it, what's our attitude toward it. You know, I think attitude a lot of the time takes us a little bit farther than what we feel like we can do in the flesh. You know, like this putt-putt deal as we continue to go. I mean, there's going to be some, so hopefully an attitude that says, I'll press through. Because as soon as we get done on July 30th, Pastor Stanley comes. We'll have a little celebration on that uh, 6th, I think it is, of August, on that Saturday evening to celebrate all the things that went down with Pastor Stanley. And then we'll be pushing to fill that container and get that container out of here just a couple weeks after that so we can get it to the Sudan so they can use the stuff that's in it. So, you know, there's always, this is supposed to be summertime, right? I mean, everybody kind of takes a little bit of break in the summer. We have no break with God. You just keep moving, keep going, keep growing. This is a growing season. God been dealing with me and sharing some things with me and about enthusiasm and about doing what he said and about declaring. You know, are you declaring that's what we're doing in this church right now on the staff in the mornings. And Pastor Pam and I, as we're doing the things that we do in the morning, praying and reading and doing some different stuff, you know, we're declaring that the people who were a part of this, as far as Holcrenators, sponsors, all those, that, that money is coming in, that their heart is turned. You're speaking it. And you say, oh, that doesn't have anything to do. Yes, it does have something to do with it. See, God proclaimed that, that the world would be, and it was. God proclaimed that there would be light, and there was. God proclaimed that there would be animals, and there were. God proclaimed that, see, I mean, he spoke those things into existence that didn't, didn't exist before. And you have that kind of power in your life just as I do. It's not just because I'm a pastor and I'm a licensed minister and ordained and now I can speak this way. We can all speak this way because we're part of who he is. Jesus came into this earth proclaiming who his father was, what his father called him to do, and what would happen. And he has given us that same authority, that same dominion, and that same power. But there has to be something that goes from revolutionary faith to the end. And part of that, as we go through this process, as I felt to just share a little bit, I didn't want to teach faith. I didn't want to teach overcoming faith from, from BBI. I said, God, I know you want to share and talk and, and grow us in our faith in this church, but I don't want to just go back to the things that we've done a million times in overcoming faith. And he spoke to me about revolution, and he spoke to me about enthusiasm. And that there's an enthusiastic faith that comes with revolutionary ideas and thoughts. And it's this, 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 this energy that's on the inside of you that comes from your spirit, man, that says, I've heard from God, I know what it is, and I am going to stand on it regardless. If I see it, fantastic. If I don't, that's all right. We talked about it last week. I'll lay down and die for the cause for somebody else. And there's enthusiasm that comes with that. It's not a martyr stance that says, oh, woe is me, I guess I have to go. It's a, hey, hey, pick me, I'll do it. If you need somebody to crucify, if you need somebody to throw down, if you need somebody to put dirt on, if you need somebody to make fun of, pick me. I'm still going to stand and I'm still going to be here when it's over. If nobody else is dancing, if nobody else is singing, I'm going to sing, I'm going to dance. I'm going to clap my hands and I'm going to praise God. Because it says in Galatians 2.20 that the life in which I live is not my own. It says I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I still live. It's not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, right now I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am, at this point, I am saying I am disconnecting myself from who I was and I am connecting myself to who he is. That's a revolutionary idea and a revolutionary thought. 
Now that takes a little bit of enthusiasm on your part because there's a whole lot of you still there. There's a whole lot of past still hanging there. There's a whole lot of stuff that says, are you sure? There's family. There's friends. There's your own head over here in the flesh that's saying, no, I don't get this. Are you sure you're going to do this? God said. What else am I going to do? God said. And it's not me. It's him. See, it's him who I, I'm just living this life with him. I, I, I guess so. You, just, you determine whose team you're on. You determine whose side you're on. When that revolutionary idea and thought comes, something begins to rise up on the inside of you, and you have to take hold of that thing yourself to go forward. Otherwise, it will die off, just like many of the other things maybe that you've been through in your life. Maybe somebody else that you've seen that had this great thing, and about halfway through, they just gave up. Don't give up. Just keep going on. It says in Matthew eleven twelve, and this is the scripture that we ended with last week, and I wanted to come back to this because this is where the enthusiasm part fits in. It says that in the day, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But it says the violent take it by force. And, th and that, that passage, it, it's just a little bit different, and it's a, it's a little bit confusing sometimes if you just read it like that, that, you know, is it the, the kingdom of heaven that's is this suffering this violence, and, and the violent ones are coming against the kingdom of heaven, or is it us as the church, are we going to stand up, and are we going to proclaim and be the violent ones to stand and take back? That's the vein that I believe, and if you go back and don't just read it for what it says in the Word, but read it for what the, context, what the contextual meaning was, that, that's, the, that's the design and that's the plan. That the body of Christ, that we would rise up, and that we would be the one who would go and begin to take back the things that the enemy has stolen from us. And that violent didn't necessarily mean I'm going to put on my, my gloves, I'm going, to, I'm going to put on, you know, I'll get my gun and go out there and just physically do violence, but that spiritually we would come against the gates of hell, we would come against the kingdom of darkness, we would come against the enemy by faith, speaking, believing, and using the weapons that have been given to us, those weapons that aren't carnal but mighty in God, the pulling down of strongholds, that we will dress ourselves in the armor, as we'll talk about a little later, and we will go out there and we will fight against the enemy. It's important. The violent part means energetic and enthusiastic if you go back to the Greek. It doesn't mean like I'm going to punch your lights out. So if somebody comes to you in your neighborhood and says, quit talking to me about Jesus, don't lay them out. Pray for them. Speak the word over them. Call them into the kingdom. Begin to speak that. If God's put somebody in your heart and they just haven't been receptive to the things that, that you felt like God's told you to share, then continue to stand. Don't give up. Continue to stand. Their name's written in your prayer journal in the morning. You bring them before the Lord. And you say, I believe that Sally or I believe that Doug is going to be saved. I believe that you have put me in his life or her life for a reason. I thank you, Father, that you give me open doors. I thank you that that, that is fertile ground. I thank you that your word goes forth and that it, see, it won't return void, that it will bring forth a harvest in their life. And you begin to be the one who's proclaiming and declaring you begin, that's violently, energetically, enthusiastically taking back what the kingdom has taken, what the enemy has taken. Maybe in your life, it's your, it's your job, it's your business. Maybe you're interceding for your boss. You can do that. Don't talk bad about your boss. Intercede for your boss. Get up in the morning, begin to talk about what a wonderful person they are, what a great business this is, that God's going to bless it. Well, they're a bunch of, of heathens. Then, then declare they're not. Speak those things that aren't as if they are. See, the Bible has an answer to every one of our situations. Every time we come to God and say, yeah, 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 but this. But then there's always something in here that, <laughs> that corrects me, that changes what I think and changes what I talk. It says in my Bible, it says, though, th though through the Greek, here, it is somewhat difficult to translate this idea. It says, though, that Jesus set up a powerful movement or reign among men. 
that requires of us, them, an equally strong and radical reaction. That the violent who then take it by force are people of keen enthusiasm and commitment who are willing who are willing to respond to and propagate or breed with radical abandonment the message and dynamic of God's reign. That you're not just living it, but you're breeding it everywhere that you go. You see these people, there's very few of them in the world. You see them, they're the ones who are very successful. They're the ones who who tend to make all the decisions. They're the ones who tend to be what we would call movers and shakers, and they don't seem to have a lot of time for you or them because they're always going to the next thing, and they're moving, and everything they touch turns to gold. These principles work whether you're saved or not. If they're biblical, they tend to work. They tend to work if this person's not saved, but they've tapped into some of these things. I've read a few books, and and, and, uh, some of them I I would tell you about. Some of them I, I might not tell you about. But, but some of them that I wouldn't tell you about, maybe these guys have said straight up, look, I'm not a believer, I'm not a Christian, but the things that I begin to share with you in these books, the things that I've written, the things that I've put to practice in my life, they're scriptural. You can find them in Proverbs, you can find them in the Word, and you say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't describe or tell you to go be that or do that, but I'm just telling you right now, this is what I do and it works in my life, and I, that's as far as I'm going to go. And they're successful people, to an extent, Maybe not totally successful in their life because they may not be fulfilling all that God has for them to fulfill. But see, these are, are we the kind of people in the church that will stand up and do this? Are we the kind of people who will stand up and enthusiastically proclaim what is ours? Enthusiastically proclaim what the truth says? Enthusiastically proclaim what God told us to proclaim about our children and about our family and about our situation? And I know that sounds a little extreme, but, but we are a revolutionary group. And revolution is always extreme. It's always different. Not that things have changed spiritually. I just think maybe we go through seasons. But Jerry, Jerry Seville's written a book called The, the, the Prayer of Petition. And uh, as we, I bought it for, Tulsa, uh, for Pastor Pam when I was in Tulsa and brought it back. And, and uh, as I been, began to read it and kind of go through that book, it goes back to a book that he wrote many years ago called the Foot, In the Footsteps of a Prophet, which was basically a biography of his life. And how Kenneth Copeland came and, and spoke the word of faith. And he got saved. Jerry Seville got saved and like gave up his business. And then just poured himself in the word. Felt called to the ministry but didn't have a clue as what to do. <laughs> you know? I mean, you're kind of there, aren't you? <laughs> you might want to get that book, In the Footsteps of a Prophet. It's, it's a good one. I, I, we'll get it for you, Sandy, if we can get that. We'll get it. You might, it, it's good because it goes like step by step. This is what it, I got saved and didn't know what I was doing. And so I like, got all this stuff on faith and I began to read. And I began to pray. And I began to seek God. And then I began to proclaim. And then I began to speak it out loud. And then I began to call it into existence. And then God moved us from that place that we barely survived and made it to the next place where I had to go back and pray and read the word and speak and proclaim. And then I got a victory. Then God took me to another place where I had to read and I had to pray and I had to speak. And he said as he did those things, God called him to, have part, to break off from Kenneth Copeland and have his own ministry, he and his wife. And he said, oh, God, we don't have any money. What are we going to do, you know? And, and he said, I, I don't know what, what to do. And God began to show him about this prayer of petition, how he was supposed to say, okay, God, what do you want for me? What am I supposed to have? What do you have for me? And he said, I, God told me, write down the things that you need to make your office work. I need desks. I need paper. I need a copy machine. I need telephones. I need chairs. And he began to write all these things down. And then he began to take scripture. He began to take the scripture that God gave him and he wrote them on that place where those, those things were. 
for his desks and his office and his paper and his copy machine and all those things. And he began to say, okay, God, you, you know, you told me this, you spoke this to me, and, and, and I'm telling you what, this is a bill now. And I am tacking it on the wall and put it in the file. Okay, this is a bill that I believe. And he got up in the morning and they began to speak it. They began to say it out of their mouth. They began to pray those things. They began to talk as if they were there. And then she said, one by one, those things began to come in the doors. Somebody would have this. Somebody would have that. Somebody gave them this. They had opportunity to buy this. All of a sudden, all these things. And every time they came in, they just crossed them off the list. And then just had a prayer of thanksgiving, a time of rejoicing, and then run right down the list, right down the list. And he said, you know, in his life, he hasn't gotten busy and he hadn't forgot about that. But as you move through things and as God takes you from season to season, that kind of started to wane a little bit. And now that's what the prayer of petition book was, God reminding him of the, the, the power uh, that came with that idea that, man, this is what God said, and if I will just proclaim it, and I will not back down, and I have something to stand on, it says, write the vision in Habakkuk. Why? So when you get weary and tired, you can read that thing, and it spurs you on to, to continue. And he said, I, I began to write those things down again. And so this book explains that in a little bit more detail. But he began to share how important it is to declare. And what happens is something begins to rise up on the inside of you. Enthusiasm begins to come. You begin to get excited about what God's doing. Even though you don't see it yet, you know what's coming. See, and all of a sudden, you start standing up a little bit. I mean, you're proclaiming it. You're speaking. And you say, oh, that's not my personality. Well, it better be because that's God's personality. That was Jesus' personality. That's what they did in this earth. And we're supposed to be like them. And we were created in their image. So therefore, it is in there somewhere. It's in there some way, and it may come out your way. Some people sing it, some people speak it. Whatever that is, do it. Because that is the violent raising up, coming to play and taking it by force. See, I'm going to take back those things that the devil has stolen. I'm going to take back those things. I'm going to be a participant in God blessing me in my household. It's not just planting your seed, taking an offering and writing on a check and putting it in the bucket and sending it on. It's like I've got to take care of that seed until it brings up a harvest. I'm going to pray for that seed. I'm going to speak good things about that seed. Father, I thank you that I'm a tither and that you're going to open up the windows of heaven. I thank you that you told me to give over and above and support my orphan. I thank you that that young man or that young woman is going to rise up, Father, and they're going to make a difference in the world. I'm proclaiming, and I thank you, Father, that as I plant seed in the Sudan, or I plant seed in Mexico, or I plant seed in the benevolent ministry of this, of this church, I thank you, Father, that it grows up souls, it grows up people, that you're bringing all those things that I have need of when I have need of it. See, that's violently taking back. That's violently proclaiming. That's violently going out there enthusiastically and watering and fertilizing your seed. You're reaping harvest. You're bringing, I don't want, I'm doing it. God will, yeah, God will take care of it. Sure he will. But he wants you to be a participant in faith. Not just drop in the bucket. Talk to it. Talk to your seed. Speak to it. Tell it. The word enthusiasm means a strong excitement or feeling. A strong excitement or a feeling on the inside of you. An absorbing or controlling possession of the mind by an interest or a pursuit. I began to look at enthusiasm and go back and not just look at the definition, but then began to read a little bit about the word and where it came from and how it came. And, and kind of in the beginning at its roots, that word was used to mean originally inspiration by the presence of God. A long time ago, originally, when that word began to be used, it was used to, to distinguish the people who were inspired by the presence of God, that kind of enthusiasm. That's who we are. Mary Kay, you know who she is. She said, a mediocre idea that generates enthusiasm will go further than a great idea that inspires no one. The enthusiasm takes you from mediocre to great. 
Whereas great dies on the vine sometimes because there's nothing behind it. That's why you see sometimes people who, who don't have as good an idea as you. Maybe they didn't, you know, maybe, maybe your idea wasn't as, wasn't as good as theirs, but you were enthusiastic. You know that God gave it to you and you were speaking and you were proclaiming and, and all of a sudden it came to pass. Somebody else obviously had a better idea, but that, that didn't go anywhere because they just had an idea and let it die on the vine. But your mediocre idea was just a small seed, just something hanging over here. And as you were connected to him, you began to proclaim and you began to speak it and you began to, to, to just live like it was true and like it was happening and that it was right. And at the right day, all of a sudden you had fruit. There was a harvest on this mediocre idea. Norman Vincent Peale said, if you have zest and enthusiasm, get this, you will attract zest and enthusiasm. See, if you have zest and enthusiasm in your life, that's what you'll attract in your life. Like attracts like many times. Be careful who you're hanging around with. You don't want to hang around with the wrong group. Matthew Barnett had tweeted this, I think it was last night, but he said, don't hang around with people who have given up on their dreams because they're after your dreams next. <laughs> if you're hanging out with people who have given up on their dreams, be careful because they're coming after yours. What they've quickly given away or what they've given away over the years, they will quickly come and begin to steal from you. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be in that place. It says, life's blows, this is Norman Vincent Peale, life's blows cannot break a person whose spirit is warmed at the fire of enthusiasm. If you have enthusiasm, what you see, what goes on, what people say and what people do, they don't affect you. Because you know, this is revolutionary, this is gone. And I've got enthusiasm, there's something rising up on the inside of me, and I'm speaking this and proclaiming this. And it may not be for today, it may not be for tomorrow, I may have to do this for a year, I may have to do this for five years, but I will do it. I will not back down and I will continue to go forward. I will do it enthusiastically, cheerfully, and joyfully with a smile on my face, standing for what God said. If it doesn't come to pass, God has something better. He doesn't give you second best. He doesn't just bring something out here to entice you than to leave you alone. I've believed for things sometimes got me so far down the road and then I realized, you know what, that wasn't quite God, but the thing that I ran into the next time was and it was 10 times better than what I was believing for. It says your desires. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But what I found in my life, my desires are his desires truly. Those are the ones he gives me. The ones that's just me thinking. The ones that's just me dreaming. Sometimes those don't happen. But I've never been disappointed. You've never been disappointed. Now here's the deal. As you do this and as you get excited and as you anticipate this, you have to be able to go, okay, God, I'll do it whenever. I'm ready. I mean, when you're declaring and when you're proclaiming and when you're speaking the things that don't exist as if they do, you're putting yourself out there. You may not know it, but you're putting yourself out there. At one day, you didn't want to cross that step. One day, you didn't want to go across that chasm. But then all of a sudden, as you proclaim and as you speak, you realize that you're over here in the middle of nowhere. And you've got yourself out here. And then you look back and you think, oh, there ain't no going back. There ain't no going forward. There ain't no going back. What am I going to do? Keep proclaiming. Keep speaking. Keep preparing the virgins and the oil in Matthew chapter 25. There were 10 of them and half of them had oil and half of them didn't have oil. And the ones who didn't have oil said, what do I have oil for? The, the bridegroom, maybe he's not going to come. And they said, but what if he does? Well, you know, I'll take care of that when he comes. There's too many believers sitting down and saying, you know what, when Jesus comes, I'll get things straight. Oh, here's a little hint. You ain't got time for that. He's not going to come hang out with us for a while. We're going away. It's not like you're going to get time, you know, to hang around. He's not going to come help you build whatever it is he told you to build. He's not going to come help you be on this earth, earth and, and sit with you to help you lead everybody to him in your family. 
He's giving you the opportunity to stand and to proclaim and lead your family to Jesus while you're here. Because when he comes, that's going to be too late because we're going to be up there. And if you don't do what God called you to do, your family might not be up there. That makes it very quiet because that hits home. See, he's got people for you. He's got things for you. He's got stuff like we talked about last week. You've got to get enthusiastic about this. Don't go running them around the house, chasing them with the Bible. Take the opportunity when God presents it. But when they're not standing there and when you're in the morning waking up in your prayer time, you get enthusiastic and you get energetic and you begin to speak what is the truth about them. You, get, you begin to speak what's the truth about your finances, about your health, about your job, about your situation. See, proclaiming it. See, a church full of people proclaiming and speaking what is it as if it is. Just like this Sudan, we're calling in. We, we've got 35, 37,000, somewhere in there. I don't know what it is. We're just proclaiming and, and, and calling in the other. I, well, well, I can't write a check. Anybody write a check for 65? I'll, I'll take you out to lunch. 65 grand, we'll go out to lunch. For the next five weeks, me and you, we'll just go out to lunch. But I'm, you know, I mean, I, I don't have that cash. Somebody, God's got that. He's got to put up. He's got you hooked up with people. He's got me hooked up with people. He's got this church. He's got the people who are hooked up outside of this church with people. Now, that takes you proclaiming for yours. I'm proclaiming for all. I'm speaking it. I'm saying it. But are you proclaiming it for you? Are you speaking it over yours? Eh, it doesn't work. Well, then don't do it. You won't work. I got a better way. Well, try that. How many people have come down the halls and come into church here, and then you proclaim to them, you told them the truth, and they said, I got a better way. And you said, okay. They're not here today. Because <laughs> their way's not better. It doesn't work. The children of Israel, see, when they, when they were ready to go, they went, and they had all the stuff that they had need of because they were prepared. They had gone to the neighbors. They had gotten the gold. They had gotten the silver. They had gotten the fancy clothes. They had gotten all the stuff. They said, go to your neighbors and ask them of all their, their important stuff, and they'll give it to you, and the people were giving it to them. So all these children of Israel went back to their house, and they had all of this stuff. They were still captive. They were still in the place. But there came a moment in time in Exodus 12 where Pharaoh finally said, I have had enough. Now, he did not wait till the opportune time in the morning. He did not call them and say, you know what? Hey, at 9.05 in the morning, could you come on in, Moses? I want to have a little sit down with you. When it came time, it came time, and it says in the word in Exodus 12, it was night. And he called Moses and said, get the heck out of here. Leave. Everybody had dead people all over the place, dead animals, people. That was the last, that was the last one. And, and he said, get out now. And so he went and he told his people, let's get up. We're going out. And it said they all went out with all of the riches. It said they even had their bread made. It wasn't leavened yet. It wasn't to the right point. But they said they strapped it on their backs and their bowls. And they went out into the wilderness with everything. How would you like to be the one person who didn't go ask their neighbor because you didn't see there was a need? He said, go ask your neighbor for all their gold and all their silver and all their stuff. And you're the one guy who said, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Nah, it's not going to happen. I got time. And then it's time to go. And everybody walks out driving their Rolls Royce. And they all got their nice suits and clothes on. And you're like dragging your camel going, I should have asked. <laughs> I guess I got freedom, but you know, it's just me and my camel. The camel's spitting on you. You know I mean? It's like, you can't win. How do you want to be that guy? I mean, you know, you got to think about this like realistically because that's where we are many times. God says, go do that. And you say, oh, I got time next week. I'll go talk to that guy next. Oh, I don't need to deal with that. And then all of a sudden, see, God says it's go time. It's the middle of the night, God. Why is it go time now? You're trying to hit snooze on God. And he's saying, get up and go. And then you look out, and everybody's going off in their convoy. And you're thinking, man, I got these old raggedy shorts. 
I got one busted flip-flop, and I got a broken camel. Now, if you go ask your neighbor at that point, it's too late. You're going to be free because you're going with them. But everybody else is going to be doing what God had. They're going to have all the goodness and all that, and you're going to be walking with your broken-down camel. Be careful. When God says move, be prepared to move. See, it's about, it's about being prepared to move. That's what proclaiming. See, you, you're, he's getting you ready to believe that it's true. He's getting you ready. If he gave it to you today, you wouldn't be able to handle it. You wouldn't be able to deal with it. That revolutionary thought or idea that comes, it needs to germinate some. And it germinates in an atmosphere of faith, not a field of doubt. So he's just getting you. You don't think he can do it. See, we have this tendency to think, well, you know what? I don't think God can do it yet, or he's not ready to do it. No, God can do it anytime. He keeps poking me in the chest saying, you're not ready, pal. Go back and figure it out. I cried for 10 years going back to school every August because I wanted to be here doing this. I felt like this is what God had for me to do. But for all of those years that I taught, I would sit down with Pastor Bill in May and say, I don't think now's the time. I don't know why, but it's not. Then I would go back in August with tears in my eyes thinking, man, I got to go do this again. God just kept saying, it's not your time yet. This will kill you. <laughs> this is almost killing me now, and it is time. <laughs> I had to see some things. I had to go through some things. I had to live some stuff. I had to stand in faith. I had to proclaim when it wasn't there. I had to speak what didn't exist as if it did. I had to learn to trust God down to the very last thing that we had. I mean, we had to learn to go through stuff. We sat over in the wilderness. We sat over in the left a long time learning. And we're still learning and we're still going. Nobody has arrived. But it took a long time to get to this point today. Jesus lived on this earth for a long time before he ever reached out and made a, and had a miracle happen. And that was a short period of time in his life. Sometimes you got a really, really big right. Sometimes you got to go left for a while. But while you're left, you don't get dobber down upset. You, you get out there and proclaim. You get out there and speak because that's a growing time. There's a blessing in that. There's something with that that makes a difference. And this is what he shared with me. He said, your prep determines your step. Your prep determines your step. That you could either be your greatest cheerleader or your biggest critic. And you're the one who gets to make that decision. Not your wife, not your husband, not your boss, not anybody else, not your kids. It doesn't matter what anybody says. You're still you. And you get to say good things about you. Or you get to think bad things about you. See, you get to proclaim the truth and what God has for you. Or you get to proclaim what you see and what you think is out there. You get to be your biggest cheerleader or you get to be your biggest critic. It doesn't matter if you've been through some things. It doesn't matter if you've had some battles. It doesn't matter if you've, you've, you've been unsuccessful at this or that or the other. God still has great things for you and you've got to get on his page. He is, he is, his son is crucified and died and risen again. He's done those things and he's given you everything else. And so he says, now what are you going to do with it? You can have a car that sits in the garage. It could be yours free and clear. But if you don't put the keys in the ignition and drive it, it's just going to sit there in the garage and rust. And when you go back out in 30 years and say, I think I'm going to fire this bad boy up, there's not going to be a lot left. See, God has given you something to drive. Drive it. He's put something in your heart. Speak it. Your prep determines the step that you're about to take. He told me three things. The first thing he showed me in Joshua chapter 7, he said, get your heart right. Get your heart right. 
In Joshua chapter 7, it was right after they came out of Jericho, so it's a big battle. And they just saw God do something amazing. And this is, this was, I mean, this really came alive to me because I've been in these situations. I've seen God do something that's just like spectacular. And then I, I face the next situation and I think, you know what? Hold on. I got this one. See, all of a sudden I started to think, yeah, yeah, that was me. I'm the one who marched around there seven times, you know, that last day. And I'm the one who shouted and screamed and blew the horn. And, you know, that's the thing that knocked down the building. No, it wasn't. It was God. But you were prepared, and when he said move, you moved. And when he said shut up, you shut up. And when he said walk, you walked. And when he said sit down, you sat down. And then he said when you did it seven times, you did it seven times. And then he said shout with a great shout, you shouted with a great shout. He said blow the trumpets, and you blew the trumpets. You just participated in the blessing, and he's the one that knocked the walls down. So they come to Ai the next day. There's some sin in the camp. They don't know about it. And instead of inquiring with God as to what the next step is in the next place, they saw a city and said, hey, we'll just go take this city. God's given it. See, they've got this word that says God's given them all of this stuff. All of the promised land is theirs, that they're going to conquer piece by piece by piece by piece. But, but they just think, okay, well, we did it that. See, God told us that one. We'll just go do this one. What the heck? And they got sorely defeated. Why? Because there was sin in the camp. And sin and God can't exist in the same place. You can't do great things with God with sin in your life. Doesn't work. And so they got defeated. Joshua cried before the Lord, 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 oh, what has happened? You have forsaken us. What is going on? He said, get up. You went off and tried to do something on your own. There's sin in the camp. Go take care of it. And then they found Achan. They found the stuff. And then they, <laughs> they killed him and all of his family. But then what did God do? When the, not, not when Achan was taken out. You're not going to get your neighbors taken out. You know, you're, 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 your cruel brother-in-law is not going to get killed by God. It's not, that's not it. It's, it <laughs> it's the sin in your life. <laughs> Don't start pointing at other people's eyes and looking at the planks, you know, or the sticks and the things, you know. So when you get the sin out of the camp, then what did God do? He said, get up. Here's the plan. Go. And they conquered. It's about getting your heart right before God. Some of us need to repent. Sometimes I've got to say, you know what, God, I've just been a little cantankerous. I'm sorry. I apologize. I've, I've just I've jacked it all up. It's me. And then he says what? It's all good, baby. Come on. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Don't beat yourself up. He said it's done. Get going. Your heart's right. The next thing he said was get dressed right. Put on your armor. See, he didn't give you armor to put in the closet so it looks pretty when people come over. Well, here's my shoes, and here's my belt, and this is my nice breastplate, and over here's my shield. My sword, I've misplaced it. You know, it's somewhere. Um, the kids were playing with it in the backyard, and I don't know where it is. And then you're trying to go out there and do battle, and you're yelling at the enemy and trying to do stuff, and he's whacking you in the shins. He's stabbing you in the foot. You got arrows hitting you because you don't have your shield. You're not being very offensive because all you got, like, you're scratching and trying to spit on him and chew at him. And he's, he's like, what are you doing, man? He's like, you know, whack, and he takes you out. Because you're not dressed. It says you shod your feet with the, with the gospel of peace, the gospel of the preparation of peace. You put on your belt of truth. Don't lie. Your pants fall down. You lie, your belt comes off. Your pants fall down without your belt on. Keep your breastplate of righteousness on. Who are you? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I deserve to be here because I'm a child of God. I got my helmet of salvation on. I'm in his house. I got my shield of faith. I'm standing in places where I shouldn't be standing. I'm saying things that I shouldn't be saying. And I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing. But with God, all things are possible. 
And you're proclaiming and declaring and speaking the truth because you have the sword of the Spirit in your hand. And man, you're not going to let nothing take you back. You begin to proclaim these things for your children, your house, your job, your stuff, your dream, your vision, your cause, whatever that is. That's, that's what you got. This is, man, this is what I got right here. And this is what I say. This is what I speak. This is what I do because it's what God said. And not just, not just get your heart right, not just get dressed right, but the next thing is get your head right. Solomon asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for his brother-in-law to be killed. He didn't ask for that person who he doesn't like at work to get fired. He didn't ask for any of those kind of things. He said, God, I need knowledge and I need understanding because I have to lead and guide and do these things that you've called me to do with all of these people, and I don't know what to do. Now, you may not have all of these people like he had the whole children of Israel, but you got a husband, you got a wife, you got kids, you got a family, you got a job. If you don't have those things, you got you. And somebody better be proclaiming and speaking those things over you. Somebody better have wisdom for you. And it's not going to be me. It's not going to be Corey. It's not going to be Pastor Bill. It's not going to be Pastor Pam. We can tell you what the Word of God says. We can tell you what it sounds like God or not like God. But you're you. And you've got to be the one who goes out those doors and lives these things. I know there's a mama and mama loves you and she pats you and she comforts you and she does those things. But there comes a day when you need a daddy. There comes a day when daddy's got to come down to your room and say, Get your crap right. Maybe I just do that. It's it's worked so far (laughs) with that boy. But, you know, I mean, there comes a day where daddy says, you got to get up and live it. See, there comes a day. And and I'm not saying that I'm the daddy and she was the mama, but she loves us and she she talked to us and she taught faith and she did those things. And I come and my whole thing is, get your booties out there and do it. I'm blessed. So it's all good. I'm blessed. This church, woo, blessed. It's a good place to be. Now, I'm just telling you, you're not going to be blessed because you come to this church. You're not just going to be blessed because you know me or Pastor Bill or Pastor Pam. or Corey. That doesn't get you blessed. Get you blessed as being who God called you to be, doing what God called you to do, speaking what God said to speak. That gets you blessed. All I'm trying to do is just kind of give you an idea like this is what the Word says. So I, 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 I'm not like, like, like this. I, I love everybody, and, and my whole deal is like, pom-poms and a cheerleader i felt that for a long time i do cartwheels and i, I wave my cheer and i say i say go yeah. she kisses daniel on the head i kick him in the butt <laughs> i tell him you can do it pal now get out there and do it you're gonna come with me dad not this time you're on your own but let me tell you what if something happens i'm right here i'll be right beside you i'll be right when you turn around i'll be right there I'm not going to go with you, but well, if something happens, I'm here for you. And that's us. That's you. That's me. I mean, me too. I mean, I, you know, there had to come a day where she had to say, you got to live on your own faith, pal. She was mama and dada for a while. He got loved and kicked at the same time. It was rough. <laughs> but so- <laughs> We've got a special relationship, my mother and I. It's just different. <laughs> In Proverbs chapter 4, It says in the Message Bible, When I was a boy at my father's knee, the pride and joy of my mother, he would sit me down and drill me. Take this to your heart. Do what I tell you. Live. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Forage for understanding. See, I was was at my father's knee, the pride and joy of my mother. But he would sit me down and he would say to me, he would drill me, take this to your heart. Do what I tell you to do. You live. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Wisdom for you, wisdom for your house, wisdom for your situations and your children. He says, forage for understanding, fight for it, dig for it, look for it everywhere that you go. 
Don't forget one word. Don't deviate an inch. Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps an eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. Throw your arms around her. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious wisdom. She'll garland your life with grace and she'll festoon your days with beauty. What is the wisdom? See, why is that true? Because the wisdom of God is his will for your life and that's what you're supposed to proclaim. And when you proclaim his wisdom, when you proclaim his word, when you get in line with that, 1 John chapter 5 says, you know that God hears you, that you have the petitions that you've asked for because you have not asked amiss. You have asked according to his word, according to his will, according to his wisdom. Man, I'm telling you, you are tapping into a vein there. Everybody else is stuck in traffic trying to figure out how to get this thing done. You're in the carpool lane with God, cruising at 100 miles an hour. That's what makes you different. That's what sets you apart. That's what changes your life, your family, your house. That's what got you to this point. It's the only thing that's going to get us to the next point. See, in life, we're, we're misled a little bit in the natural. As we progress through school and then we go through college and we fight our fight in our job, eventually we get to the cush job, right? Where we just sit back and we just relax. And then once we've relaxed or once we've gotten to that point in a couple years, we do what? We retire. Why? So we can live the leisure life and just chill out. Now, I'm not by, Look at Pastor Bill. And that guy, he's like, his seat's been empty for weeks. He's just not doing his thing. <laughs> I, I'm all for it. <laughs> he's praying like crazy for us, so that's good. But I think he knows his job's a little more important praying now with me around. But he's, you know, I mean, he, he's going to kids' ball games. And he's, I mean, he's, he's having lunch with people. And, you know, what do you have to do today? He always tells me, you know, I wake up in the morning and I think of the three things that I must do today. You don't have a job, dude. One of them's like, read the paper, drink my coffee, and go to the bathroom. I mean, that's all you got. Those are your three things for the day. The rest of us got responsibilities beyond one, two, three. He's not here. It's his birthday. I'm just throwing him under the bus. I'm all, I'm, <laughs> I'm, all for, I'm all for that. He's working his tail off. He's worked probably harder now, praying and interceding and going to the Sudan the last five years and standing. And somebody's had to fight that battle. See, he's been proclaiming and doing this. But see, we have this idea in the natural that that's the way that the, that the spirit should go. That we should get to a point in our life where we get to kick back and spiritually, nowhere did I see you get to retire. See, everything that I read in the Word about all these people, man, there was the lion and the bear and, the, and then Goliath. And I mean, it's like, well, hold on a minute. No, what about, Moses? what about Moses? There were the plagues and then the Red Sea and then the, oh my goodness, what, what about? I'm looking for a break. See, we, we, start, we start thinking, God, this is too much. No, it's not. Get up. The same God that got you through last time is going to get you through this time. You got through stronger than you were when you went in last time. So what's on the other side of where you are today? Strength. More strength than what you have today. More blessing than what you have today. Get enthusiastic about what he said to you last week when we talked about revolution. Get enthusiastic about it. Pastor Pam had that word for us. And I'm telling you, I cried up here because I've been standing up here thinking, God, I can't do this anymore. I've only been doing this six weeks, six months. I mean, it's only the middle of July. Pastor Pam used to tell me all the time, yeah, I almost quit yesterday. And I thought, well, why'd you quit? Well, I know now. Because <laughs> I drive home and I think, God, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And how can we keep doing this? I come in on Saturday and I say, God, you told me. You told me to do Saturday, four Saturdays. 
And, you know, I mean, it's not, I, I, I'm just, I'm grateful that people show up or whatever, and I'm good. I can preach to one as, as to a hundred. I mean, it doesn't matter to me, man. I can preach. There's times where I did VBI classes. I preached to puppets. I put puppets in the seats. I did. I did. I went in and Corey, because I had to be gone that night or something, so I'd come in and I'd teach my class, man. And then he, at the end of the class, you'd think there's like a million people there, and he pans out and it's just a bunch of puppets. Cho preached to thousands with his eyes closed because he only had 12 people in his seats. God told him, you'll have the biggest church in the world. And so he stood there and he preached with his eyes closed for all this time. And it was the 12 people that were like his family or whatever. And he said, that was all that was there. But he said, in my heart, I knew what God said. So I couldn't see it when I opened my eyes and preached to them. So I closed my eyes and I saw it. And he said, do those Saturdays. I said, God, I'll do whatever you say to do. That was hard for me because there's people here who have to come. I mean, there are people here who have to play the piano and play the drums. And they got kids and they got stuff. People in the children's department, people everywhere that come and they volunteer. And so I'm not just committing me. It's just like Elizabeth and I are going to show up and have a Bible study. I mean, I'm committing the church and you and all this stuff and finances. I said, oh, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I show up and there's like 50 people here the first night. 30 of them had to be here. 35 of them were volunteers. So if anything, I'll call you and tell you to volunteer that night and come hear me preach. And so I went out and I said, God, that's it. I'm done. And he said, why do you say you're done? Why, I, 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 I had to have missed God. Did I tell you you missed me? No. Keep doing it. Okay. The next Saturday, all jazzed up, ready to go. Get in here, there's less people here than the week before. I went back home. God, it's me again. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I, I'll do what you ask me to do because I want to be obedient. I've bailed too many times in my life when it didn't look good to me. See, when you said at midnight to get up and to go out, I was, I was in my bed sleeping, hitting snooze on you. So I don't want to be that person today. If you say to go, I'll keep going. And he said, this is more than just about you. This is more than just about where you are today. This, will you do it if nobody shows up? Will those people come and volunteer and play the drums and, and play the keyboard and, and watch those rooms? If nobody shows up, will you come just because I said? Yes, sir. I, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. I came last week yesterday got in here and there was like nobody here and i mean i walked out and i said to her as i walked by this is it <laughs> i'm just being honest i mean i'm just being honest with you I, I know what god said i know what he's told me and i walked out and i thought okay god i know you're releasing me right i mean you, i learned what you wanted me to learn <laughs> and i said i'd do it if nobody's here please god don't make nobody show up <laughs> i mean i want to be faithful but, but I even, I said to her when I walked by, this is it, I'm done, this is the last one. And she knows enough to smile. Especially at, at 4.55 when we start at 5, not to get into it at that moment. But she just smiled and let me go by. You know, and then I stood up here and I said, this is what God said. This is about more than today. This is about something that's going to happen in the future. And if you don't stand up there and you don't do what I told you to do for those four weeks, regardless if anybody shows up or not, it's not about you pleasing people. It's about you pleasing me. And if you won't come, if the volunteers won't come, if people won't come and serve me because I said, if nobody's there, if people won't come and stand up and proclaim and speak in their own homes because they don't see it with their own eyes, then what are we doing here? And he said, this is about something that's going to happen down the road. This isn't about something that's going to happen today. This is about you doing something because I said. And when you're done, you 
You may not see the victory of it right now, but you will see the victory of it. It will come, but it is yet for an appointed time and for an appointed day. So the next time that I speak to you and tell you to do something, and I am about to move, and my hand is about to swing, and it is serious, and it is important, and it is the blessing that I have for you, you will get your booty up, and you will do it regardless of what people think, say, or do. All that in my office for about five minutes before I came out here and said, praise God, we're going to do this again next week, whether regardless of anybody says, see, you get it. Once you get it, you start saying it. Stand up with me this morning. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.